You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From Easter Sunday, April 12, 2020, for Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. Today's message is pre-recorded from the sanctuary at Chapel by the Sea. The text is John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbanai which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. She told them that he had said these things to her. That first Easter Sunday began in darkness, you know. But let's go back to the Thursday before. I had gathered with my disciples in an upper room to celebrate the Passover feast, and it was good to be with them. I love these guys. They'd been with me for three years. They had been a part of my teaching, my healing, my feeding of the masses. They had witnessed my interactions with the Pharisees and with the marginalized. These guys weren't perfect, no, but I loved these guys. And so it was good to be with them in Jerusalem in the upper room. But I knew this was, I knew this was the end of the line. 
I knew what Judas was about to do. And so we gathered to eat. And during the middle of supper, I did something curious. I took off my outer garment and I wrapped a towel around my waist and I began washing my disciples' feet. And when I got to Peter, Peter said, no way. And I said, listen, Peter, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, you can have no part of me. And then Peter said, well, then wash my hands and my head too. I said, Peter, this isn't exactly how this thing works. So I washed Peter's feet. An example of servant leadership. And that night I took the opportunity to offer some final teachings. I knew this, I knew this would be it. And so I, I did my best to give them just a little more of all the things that I wanted to give them, and I wanted to give them so much. So I taught them that night, and then we left and went to the Mount of Olives where we had been before, and I wanted to pray. I knew I needed to pray. And I invited the disciples to pray with me, but let's just say they were tired. But that night I prayed like, like I'd never prayed before. I so desperately needed strength to get through what was about to happen. I, I prayed not my will, but thine be done. Not what I wanted. Not at all. And so when the Roman soldiers made their way and my disciples were freaked out, in fact, Peter drew his sword and cut off the ear of one of the soldiers. After everything I taught them about nonviolent revolution, that's how Peter responds. <laughs> and so I rebuked Peter and I healed the Roman soldiers and I allowed them to take me away. My disciples, they all scattered. And who could blame them? And what they put me through that night, let's just say it was pure evil. They called it a trial. It's a mockery of the justice system, if you ask me, but nevertheless, they arrested me, they held my trial, and I was found guilty of treason, of blasphemy. Everything they put me through that night, the torture, the humiliation, forcing me to carry my own cross beam down the Via Della Rosa, everything they put me through. Well, let's just say the Roman soldiers broke my body. But seeing my mother watch me die on a Roman cross, that broke my heart. Now, it took a while for me to die. Roman crucifixions take a while so as to have maximum effect on deterring any future troublemaking. They pierced my side with a sword. 
They gambled for my clothes. Let's just say I can't describe to you how incredibly painful and humiliating the whole experience was. Then they took my body down off the cross and placed me in a borrowed tomb. And my disciples thought, well, they thought it was over. They, they just didn't get it. <laughs> in that tomb, it was lonely and it was cold. And my body was left as a corpse. Friday night, all day, Saturday, Saturday night. But then Sunday came. Sunday came. And I was miraculously resurrected through the power of God. I took off the linen wrappings that covered me and I decided to take the wrapping that had been on my head and I folded it up neatly and laid it in the tomb and I sat back to watch what might unfold and Mary came first under the cover of darkness to tend my corpse. She thought I was still dead. And when she saw that my body wasn't there and that the stone had been rolled away, she ran all the way back and she told Peter and John. And they came running to the tomb. So all this took a while. And when Peter and John got there, Peter got there first. Sorry, John got there first. He didn't go in, but then Peter went in. They found my head wrapping lying there neatly folded. <laughs> they didn't know what to think, but John. John believed. Well, Peter and John left. Mary stayed behind. And she was crying. I hate, I hate what I, I hate what my disciples went through. I really do. But Mary was crying and I spoke to her. She didn't, she didn't know it was me. It was still dark, right? And so she didn't know it was me and and then I said her name. I said, Mary. And she knew instantly that it was me. Well, that first resurrection happened nearly 2,000 years ago. So what does it mean for you today? And it means so many things. But one thing I want you to consider is the setting of that first resurrection. You see, it happened in a tomb in a garden. And 2,000 years later, the truth of the matter is that resurrection still happens. Where does it happen? It happens in you. You are the garden of resurrection. See, I get that these days are difficult. And I get that these days are hard. I do. And I get that some people and maybe even you, are tempted to give in to despair and to death and to hopelessness. But the truth of the matter 
is that you, church, you are the garden in which resurrection happens today. You are the garden in which hope is born anew. You are the garden in which love is born anew. You are the garden in which joy is born anew. Death has been defeated. Victory has been claimed, and it's claimed every time the church rises up and claims victory over death and despair and hopelessness. You, church, you are the garden in which resurrection happens. Claim that power and be the garden. Be the garden of hope and joy and love. That's what Easter means in 2020. Claim the victory and be the garden. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.